I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, the web-only sports show on Radio New Zealand National. I'm Barry Guy. Today we're looking back at the sporting year 2011 with my colleagues Murray Williams and Stephen Hewson. The big event of the year was the Rugby World Cup with the All Blacks walking away with a trophy, thank goodness. But there was plenty of other things to cheer about success-wise. However, in a year without an Olympic Games, it does tend to give some of those other sports uh, plenty of recognition. So in an attempt to name a few star performers of the year, we'll go through categories similar to the Halberg Awards. And uh, gentlemen, uh, Stephen, I suppose, starting... The uh, the most look, lucrative-looking uh, category there would have to be the teams. Uh, you know, quite good success there for uh, New Zealand teams this year. That was, Barry, but I suppose everything's going to be overshadowed by the Rugby World Cup, isn't it? I mean, as you mentioned there in the introduction, that they walked away with the, the trophy for the first time since 1980-87, much to the nation's relief. And, uh, I mean, I don't think it's, it's just going to be a, a, a one-horse show when it comes to those uh, Halberg Awards. And Murray, uh, who was the eternal pessimist during the World Cup, every time there's a little hiccup, Murray, uh, you had doubts about the All Blacks, but they came through. You were there to watch it. That's a little unfair. I did say right at the beginning <laughs> that if they got to the final, they would win because they had to, and they did. And the the uh, I guess the gust of relief that swept over Eden Park was probably duplicated all around the country. It was. Uh, uh, interesting time to be there. My colleague or our colleague Andrew McRae couldn't look through most of the second half and when I uh, found uh, Peter Fitzsimons outside the ground afterwards he couldn't stop talking about the game so yeah it was uh, it was a great result 8-7 we could have done without that I guess. But uh, like many I suppose when Dan Carter fell over Richie McCaw had some uh, concerns and then uh, Slade went down uh, and uh, Cruden went down what were you thinking? Well, I guess uh, Tom Scott kind of summed it up with that uh, cartoon in the Dominion Post of a guy waking up from a nightmare with Stephen Donnell coming onto the, the field in the Rugby World Cup final. And when he did come on, I think a lot of people were having horrible thoughts about Hong Kong the year before when he uh, didn't have the best of games. But I said to Andrew that if uh, if Beaver played the way he does for Waikato, we'd be all right. If, we pl- if he played the way he did in Hong Kong, we were, we were in trouble. But we all know what happened. That's the feel-good story of the year. And it was a good tournament uh, too, really. You know, there was a spotlight on New Zealand with six years in the making and Martin Sneddon uh, organised a, a good tournament. The crowds got behind it, uh, the fan zones and people turned up, some pretty good crowds in that. Uh, generally, they'd, they'd have to be happy with that, Stephen. Yeah, that, that it was sold as a stadium of four million, wasn't it? And and, and it lived up to that. That uh, it, was, uh, it helped, uh, I suppose... Uh, Given the the economic situation around the country and and the world that there was for a few weeks, uh, that that feel good factor there, and I suppose the the way the provinces got right into it and everything as well, that the teams that did turn up, even the the minnows, they they were made to feel like superstars, and that is possibly what the tournament should be all about too. Murray, you uh, watched a couple of the other teams perform well this year. The Warriors uh, made the grand final of the National Rugby League and the Breakers went all the way in the Australian National Basketball League. Yeah, I, my pick for number two, behind the obvious number ones, would be the Breakers, the first New Zealand team to win an Australian uh, competition. Uh, they had uh, 
one of the top players in the league in Kirk Penny, who's off to Spain now, and they're still going well, still topping the league, uh, two wins ahead of, I think, Perth. Young uh, Tom Abercrombie's doing pretty well. Gary Wilkinson's back from the US, and they've picked up Daryl Corletto from Melbourne, and he's uh, also filling in very well for CJ Bruton. He's been out injured, so yeah, they're looking good. And the Warriors, yeah, they got to the... Uh, the final again, but uh, John Hart before the match said he thought Manly was a bridge too far for them, and that's the way it turned out to be. So, yeah, breakers number two to the All Blacks, I think, and uh, an honourable mention for the Black Sticks women, too, who uh, got the uh, New Zealand's first Champions Trophy medal, finished third in the Netherlands. That's one better than the men were able to do at home. Uh, how will the Warriors go next year without Cleary? They've got Blue McClendon now, haven't they? That'll be an interesting one. Unfortunately, I won't be here to see that. I'll be in Melbourne. But they, uh, yeah, he's he's a popular choice, and they should do all right. But I'd be surprised to see them get to the final again. There were a couple of teams that perhaps uh, didn't shine as brightly as we would have hoped, and we'll get onto that uh, shortly. Stephen can talk about a couple of those teams. But as you mentioned, the the rowers uh, Eric Murray and Hamish Bond. I think that was about their third world title in a row that they've won in the men's pair. Uh, Murray mentioned the hockey teams both making the top four at their respective Champions Trophy tournaments. The Sevens team won the IRB Series uh, earlier this year. Uh, And so, uh, Stephen, yes, um, we would have been like to mention perhaps the Silver Ferns. Um, They got pipped for the world title. They did. It was, uh, I suppose, an underwhelming year for for them because then on on the back of that, they also lost that series to the Test Series to Australia. I mean, much was made. They were the, the... Commonwealth Games champions, defending champions, and hoping to, I suppose, keep or get the world title to to go with that. But uh, once again, it was the usual two horse race: New Zealand, Australia, and uh, it was the Australians that that came through. Ruth Aikens now moved on. Why Marama Tamanu's taken over? Uh, indeed, I mean that was. Uh, I mean Ruth Aiken was in the job for for ten years, so uh, I mean she had plenty of success. She did win a world title. They they won the the Commonwealth Games t- twice, I think, with, with her at the helm. Um, but time for a change, and Waimata Matamane was an obvious candidate. She'd been her assistant for the past 18 months, two years. The problem for the Silver Ferns is depth, and, and that's where the, the situation is for them. They're always going to struggle against the, the likes of Australia, but um, that's something that uh, obviously Waitamanu's got to, to think about and consider. She's, they, they work on a four-year cycle, pretty much, so... Uh, with the, the next big assignment, really, for them, the Commonwealth Games in Glasgow in 2014. That's not, you know, that, that's, that's the target. So the next couple of years are certainly about uh, developing that depth and getting to the point where they can win. So a change at the top, but is, do you get a sense of that, as you say, filtering down, or can they not afford to do that? I mean, we're still relying on Irene Van Dyke, don't we, to, to shoot the Indeed. Well, they've, they've lost uh, Timapara George. Uh, that was you know a big big loss for them um, in mid court. They still, but defensive wise, you know, they've got a they've got a um, great great uh, defensive combination. And a couple of very strong players there. So hopefully they can they build on the back. But yeah, Irene Van Dyke seems to to keep on going. Um, they've got Catherine Lart who's coming and she'll develop over the next couple of years. So uh, yeah, there's there's certainly talent there, but uh, I suppose the mid-court is possibly an area of concern. And changes in cricket also, coach and captain this year, uh, it was uh, significant there. You know, uh, some success earlier on in this in this year, how would you rate 2011 for the Black Caps? Um, I suppose overall they get, they get a pass mark, uh, I suppose hauled up at the, at the end of the year by that, that win over Australia, the first in 26 years in Australia, but if we go back to earlier in the year... Uh, March, April, uh, we had the uh, the one-day World Cup hosted by India, Sri Lanka and Bangladesh and the Black Caps got through to the, the semi-final, beaten by, by Sri Lanka. 
uh, Sri Lanka went on and lost the final to to India. But uh, that was we always seem to do pretty well at those those 2020 or the the shorter format tournaments. And, and uh, yeah, but the highlight undoubtedly that that win over Australia, um, as you mentioned, Dan Vittori then stepped down as captain and uh, taken over by Ross Taylor. I suppose interesting for that test in Hobart that. Dan Vittori wasn't there. You know, he's been been in the side since a 17, 18-year-old. He's into his 30s now. Um, and, and he wasn't part of that historic uh, test win because of because of injury. And uh, we had, I suppose, the, a couple of the young guys step up. Doug Bracewell, 21 years old, 22 years old. Six-wicket haul. And um, there's a few players there that are obviously, um, hopefully, earmarked for, for big things in, in the future. But, oh, d- sorry, maybe, maybe I should just... But... <laughs> Batting, <laughs> disappointing, isn't it? I mean, the bowlers carried them through. The usual story, can, can we get some consistency? We have these, these moments where we start to think, oh, yes, we might be in for a, a, you know, a, a, a bit of a, a spell here where we can enjoy some success with the, with the cricketers. Question remarks, or question remains over whether they can continue it. Well, consistency is something that uh, Valerie Adams uh, certainly shows plenty of, and she did this year. She had a bit of a lull in uh, 2010, change of coach and technique and the likes, but she was back to her best in 2011. Uh, I think she threw some of her most consistent and best throws uh, this year as she won uh, another world title, and really she's um, perhaps (laughs) figuratively stands... uh, Head and shoulders above the other women contenders this year. Uh, Alison Shanks and Cycling's are doing well. Of course, she'll go to the uh, Olympic Games in the team's pursuit because there's no individual pursuit. Andrea Hewitt was the number two uh, triathlete this year. Lisa Carrington uh, shocked a few by winning a uh, kayak world title this year. So um, not the great depth there, perhaps, but uh, uh, Murray, um, you've kept an eye on a few of those uh, performances this year, but um, Valerie would be hard to beat? I would think so. She'd be looking pretty good for uh, defending her title in London. She's, I haven't seen her for a wee while, but I'm told that she has slimmed down and uh, whether she's been looking at uh, young um, Jack O'Gill, mm. who's uh, not exactly the, your archetypal shot putter and maybe thinking that she can increase her speed and uh, it's been a good year for her and hopefully next year will be too. Andrea Hewitt uh, won the triathlon champion, uh, world championship final in Beijing, number two, and also finished off with a good win in Auckland. And Ali Shanks, as you mentioned, she's uh, in the, uh, the, the uh, team's pursuit, world champion in 2009. And don't forget that the, uh, the women set the uh, fastest time ever at uh, sea level in the Oceania Champs in Invercargill earlier this year. I think the second fastest, just, just off the world record. So they're looking pretty good as well. Lisa Carrington's big name coming through in, in kayaking. She's qualified for London too with Erin Taylor in the K2 500. So I think she's a name to be keeping an eye on in the future. And the men, interestingly, have got the Oceania Championships in Perth in March. That's uh, Ben Fui, Stephen Ferguson and co. That's their last chance. So some encouraging performances a year out from the Olympics, which, you know, it's always uh, interesting to see if they can carry that over. And a couple of men uh, would be the similar. Uh, Mark Todd uh, won badminton. He's going for the Olympics again. Um, goodness, when was that? Los Angeles was his first one, wasn't it, where he won gold medal there? I can't work out how many years that ago was ago. Uh, and Mahi Drysdale um, trying to find that elusive uh, gold medal from the uh, Olympics. He'll hopefully do that. That was a bit of a comeback, wasn't it? Because yeah. he, he won that World Championship title after sort of falling off the pace last year with um, with the back injury, and, and he seems to be coping with that and, and altered his training regime to get around that. So I think that's a huge relief from, from his point of view. And it'll be great to see him succeed in London after the way things went in Beijing. Oh, that's sort of my... 
I suppose, uh, outstanding memory, for want of a better word, to, of, of Beijing, of the way he got through that when he went into it with sort of uh, quite a strong... He suffered quite badly from a stomach bug, but he still came away with a, with a medal. So it would be nice to see or think that he could come away with, with a gold in London. Yeah, so a world champion uh, there, a badminton winner. But, I mean... This has been discussed before, and we have had this uh, happen before, but an individual within a team being contender for uh, an individual title, and I suppose the All Blacks, uh, Murray, you know, a couple of uh, contenders there perhaps for you know the men's honour? Oh, I think Richie McCaw is the, uh, is the shoe in there, playing on with a foot injury that was a lot worse than they were letting on uh, during the... I think everyone suspected it, but they always tried to put a bit of a... A spin on it that he, it wasn't too bad, but afterwards you heard um, Graham Henry saying that he went fishing with McCaw and uh, realised just how swollen the foot was. So I think uh, before the, the semi final against Australia, someone asked Robbie Deans what he thought was happening with McCaw and whether or not he would play, and, and, and Dean said he would and he'd play out of his skin, and that's pretty much the way it was. It was a disappointing start to the year, he had that problem, the screw put in the foot. So I think. And, and the the last ten minutes of the uh, the final of the the way they you know, hung on there under that pressure and the weight of expectations and everyone sitting on their seat in Eden Park, I think it it would have to be him because just imagine what the year would have ended like. It's been such a you know starting with earthquakes. We've had just probably one of the worst years New Zealand's had in my memory, and and, and ending it was losing the World Cup and a repeat of the two thousand and seven recriminations. It doesn't bear thinking about. It, and Jerome Kaino too was another uh, another he was uh, played in. All but a few minutes of the entire tournament, and IRB Player of the Year nominee. So he's uh, another another one for rugby. But Richie's, uh, I think, is the way it'll go. We... Sir, Sir Richie, <laughs> not yet. He he did say he didn't think it was it was appropriate for that, and I hope he sticks to that when he's old and too. We we were talking earlier this year about the players that the All Blacks could ill afford to lose, <clears throat> and I think Stephen and I we came up with Dan Carter. Wasn't it? We even had Dan Carter ahead of Richie McCaw. Oh, well, I think you did. Oh, okay. I, I, was, I have always maintained that, that Richie McCaw would have been a, 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 a bigger a bigger loss. As, as it turned out, they got over Dan Carter. Uh, so so what, I'm, what I'm trying to say here is Richie McCaw, um, you know, in a few of the matches they had Adam Thompson playing open side, obviously not to the same sort of lead, leadership skills levels uh, that, that he had. Jerome Kino, if if he was out, would we have missed mm. more? Because you can go through a lot of the rest of the team, you know. Um, I see what you say. You're saying yeah, yeah. We, we did it without our best being at their best, or even our best being there. And, and I think Richie McCaw is, I think, possibly past his best now. 2010 was his stellar year, and the the body that the toll that Test rugby takes. That so he, he's still obviously a, a world class number seven, but he's not the Richie McCaw of twenty ten. Yeah. We did it without Dan Carter, and then worked our way through. So yeah, I see what you're saying. Well, well, I'm still trying to struggle to find individuals within a team that uh, get this on because you know like Israel Dag he added that spark all this year. Was he a, the difference in, in some sort of way? I mean, the, the wingers changed. Uh, we had the same centre pairing. That's perhaps you know. The locks they changed a little bit, you know. Yeah. Maybe we just need to put it down to a true team effort. Exactly, and they possibly should, uh, you know, come out on top when it comes to the to the team. So, you know, a few comebacks uh, this year, Murray, as you've already mentioned, Stephen Donald. Uh, um, you know, it sort of it was a great story out of the World Cup that he he came on and kicked uh, the goal only just, but he, but he got it over, and now he's left the shores uh, to uh, play for Bath in some way, and he's not left here to. Um, enjoy the accolades in some way, I suppose. 
Oh, I think he had a pretty good run of that uh, in the in the last few weeks before he went with the parades and so forth and the and all the stories about the white bait that he caught and uh, gave to to Graham Henry to make sure he got into the team. It's uh, it's it was a nice story because a lot of people. When, but before during the tournament, when uh, I can't remember who went down, someone asked if Stephen Donald was in the frame, and there was a very curt no from Graham Henry. So that's a measure of how fraught things were at that, that stage that they they had to call on him, and, and he delivered. And uh, he's a nice guy. He, well, you'll never be go, go down as one of the uh, the great tens, but at the end, that goal was the difference. And uh, comebacks, we've, Stephen, you've already talked about the uh, Black Cats at uh, Bell Reeve when everything seemed to be down and, you know, at its worst possible moment and they, they scored that victory just to keep all our hopes going again. Uh, indeed, it was uh, it was a, a battle, you know. It was, uh, what were they, was Australia chasing, what, 240, was it? They got to 150-odd for two and then uh, the Black Caps had them nine down, still doing another 40 and then they got within seven runs. Um Maybe one milestone we should talk about, or at least mention, Chris Martin joined uh, the 200 Test Wicket Club in Zimbabwe. I mean, that uh, is quite an achievement because the only Sir Richard Hadley, Chris Cairns and, uh, and of course, Dan Vittori uh, have, have gone past the 200 mark on the test scene for, for New Zealand. And he bowled pretty well at Bell Reef too. He did. He still looks, I, mean, I think, um, some of that, the the, uh, the numbers on the speedball radar, I think he still gets it through the quickest and he's 37 years old. That's credit to himself in New Zealand cricket. That That's his game now, isn't it? They don't try and, you know, well, I know he plays some other forms of the game, but they roll yeah, well, him out a, for tests. He seems to not have the injury curse that so many other fast bowlers do. Who knows what his secret is, Maybe, you know, that uh, he's kept on keeping on. If we have a quick look uh, to the Olympics next year, things to look forward to, uh, up-and-comers this year included uh, uh, Jack O'Gill, who just in recent uh, times has been breaking junior records and he qualified for the Olympics. What sort of uh, feeling do you have, uh, Stephen, for... Um, uh, know, am you, I right you... saying he can't compete at the national champs in the senior division? Well, no, I, I think what will happen in theory, he's not meant to. He probably can't take a title, but he will compete at the national champs. So whoever wins the, the senior men's <laughs> shot put <laughs> title probably, is not going to be the gonna best. going to be about five metres behind <laughs> Jack O'Gill, yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm, I stand corrected on that, but no, he they'll, there'll be an exception, and he'll be able to compete. He's meant to compete as a junior, but I'm sure they'll put him in with the uh, the seniors. He'll probably walk away with the junior title with a distance, as I say, five. But metres the bloke that, that gets the men's title knows he's not going to be the best in the country. And, and I noticed that the, some distance that he threw a couple of months back would have actually put him at eighth at, at the World Champs in Daegu at the, yeah. the shot put. So. Exactly, he would he would have made the final. Of course, he wasn't allowed to go to that because he was too young. Um, so in, encouraging that the his, his my understanding his intention is to make the final in London and then anything can happen from there and and he'll give it a go. But uh, you know New Zealand competing there, uh, Stephen, a lot of money has just been handed out again. More top ups that our successful sports cycling, rowing, uh, and and well middle sports get a lot a lot more money can we expect Rowing, that yeah. that that's where you know our good chances come from well that's that's the whole idea of the that's spark funding isn't it or what's now going to be called sport new zealand from from, from next year high performance something uh, yeah yeah, yeah the high, well there's high performance sport new zealand and sport new zealand but yeah that the, the, <laughs> we're taking <laughs> indeed it's targeted funding and that's you mm. know they're looking for for medals and that's they're the areas that are performing and have rowing in particular you know the, the have traditionally been a strong suit for New Zealand in the past ten years we've been uh, been performing well on the on the world stage there so and and the cycling is certainly up and coming we've had a few 
few wins with the, in the medals department in the last couple of games, the likes of Hayden Ralston, mm. and, and that pursuit team is, is performing well. Um, so, yeah, that's... The, the, we're, we're, we're looking for medals in London, and obviously Valerie. I mean, if, if you're looking for a solid gold investment, I mean, how can you go past Valerie? Exactly, yeah. Um, Murray, that's, uh, you know, uh, you're looking forward to, to watching London 2012? Uh, from Melbourne, yeah. Um, I, I You'll hope, be supporting I hope, Australia by then. I hope we don't hear too much advance Australia fair and, and a, a few more uh, God defend New Zealands. Well, just uh, quickly uh, before we wrap things up, sort of look back at uh, some of the international performances uh, of the year. Um, of course, the Rugby World Cup uh, could be considered perhaps dominating you know, the major sporting event of the year but uh, tennis when, oh, sorry, sorry? Just while you're on the rugby there Barry I suppose we need to give an honourable mention to the Crusaders don't we for their, oh, yes. their performances on the road because of uh, losing their stadium they made the, the Super Rugby final uh, good news that they're going to have a, a stadium from, from the second game of the, the Super Rugby competition in 2012 at uh, Rugby League Park in Christchurch and that's all on, on schedule um, but that was quite, quite a performance wasn't it no, no home games and they, they still make the final especially uh, that game in London that mm. we have uh, the All Blacks and the Crusaders and the Laurier Sports Awards, the All Blacks are team of the year, the Crusaders for a comeback for them and also the Queensland Reds who won the title for overcoming the uh, floods in Queensland. But the, the, the closest one perhaps is the men there. And uh, Novak Djokovic, he, you know, Murray helped me out here with how many uh, matches in a row he won. I, it was, it was a, a huge amount, but he just dominated tennis, uh, what, for the first three quarters of the year. He did, and I knew you were going to ask me that question about how many matches he won, and it's, it's completely escaped a me. Lot. He, did, he, won the U, he won a lot, and he won the US Open, he won three the, of the four Australian Grand Open, Slams, and he, he won Wimbledon. So in terms yeah. of, yeah, he, it was his year for tennis, that's for sure. Uh, Usain Bolt, uh, we look forward to seeing him in London. He won two medals at the World Athletics uh, Championships. As long uh, as he doesn't false start. Yes, and he's getting uh, pushed now, of course, by Johan Blake, this his young training partner too, so that could be uh, a, a, the race to watch again uh, in London and uh, in motor racing, Sebastian Vettel, who uh, is seemingly more and more like Michael Schumacher now when it comes to... Uh, the way he acts and also the way he drives, uh, won the Formula One world title. Cadell Evans, the Australian, got to see him win the, the Tour de France. And, uh, of course, in, in football, uh, Lionel Messi continues to mesmerise most of his opponents. So uh, it's been a, a, uh, yes, a significant uh, year for sport, particularly in New Zealand. And it'll be interesting to see how the Halberg Awards go when they're announced uh, in February. Just while you're on the motorsport there, Barry, I suppose Hayden Padden, we should give a, give a mention to. I mean, Murray, you were out interviewing him the other day. Uh, a, a good achievement winning the production class in the, for the WRC, and he's stepping up next year. He's, yes, going up to the uh, S2000. He won the PWRC with, with two rounds to spare, and he's going to be driving a Skoda Fabia with a bit of help from uh, the Girl Trap group. And uh, the, the old jokes about Skoda are well past. It's a, it's a uh, subsidiary of... Volkswagen, very good cars, and and Volkswagen are going to be entering Apollo in the uh, WRC next in 2013, and that's what uh, Hayden Patton has his eye on. Hopefully, with Sebastian Ogier, he's a pretty impressive young guy. Reminds me a bit of uh, Possum Born, very personable, and he's one to watch. Murray, thank you very much. You're off to Melbourne to uh, follow uh, Aussie rules now. Yes, uh, with some difficulty, I have to say. <laughs> Murray, thank you very much uh, for all your help uh, over recent years. Uh, Stephen Newson, have a good Christmas and a you good too, summer. Barry. And uh, on Barry Guy, and that's uh, extra time for now. We look forward to returning in 2012. 
Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 